You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. And now I've got the privilege of introducing my daughter, Lois. Uh, I'm going to be speaking from Psalm 46, and she's going to read the passage to us. Thanks, Lo. Okay. God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with the surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall, He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Mm. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Great. Thanks so much, Lo. This is a, a wonderful song of radical trust in the face of overwhelming threat. This psalm has served Christians throughout many hundreds, thousands of years. Martin Luther the German priest in the 1500s who was often in hot water during the Reformation used this as a basis for his hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and that's been translated into 183 languages. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, used to meditate upon this on his deathbed. And William Carey, the Baptist missionary, the pioneer to India, who when faced the tragedy of his printing press being burnt to the ground, chose to preach on this psalm the following Sunday. You see, it's a psalm of radical trust in the face of overwhelming threat. I'd like to bring three points for us this morning that I feel will stir and encourage us. The first is this. From verse 1 to 3, we see that God is a refuge in crisis. The psalm starts where it wants us to focus. The focus is on God. God is our refuge. This is a common picture in the Bible. 44 times in the book of Psalms, 94 times throughout the Bible, we get this picture. God is our refuge. In Psalm 18, it says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. We get a very clear picture that God is our strength and ever present help whenever you need it. God is our fortress. The rock is what you cling to when the flood would rise. The shelter is where you run to 
in England, I guess it's when the rain comes, but in the Middle East, it would have been when the sun was beating down upon you. Stronghold is the safe place that you flee to when you're being under attack from military power. Some have even labelled this psalm as God in a crisis. I'd just like to point out that God is not in the crisis we are, whether it be self-isolating or struggling to shop, teaching kids at home or sinking under WhatsApp messages. We will face trouble. The passage covers natural catastrophes and national attack. The destruction of mountains and seas can mean the uprooting of nations and the collapse of a kingdom. One book that I read this week in preparation by a guy called John Goldingay says this, God does not guarantee that trouble will not come to those who trust him. But he does guarantee that when trouble comes, he will be the rock that saves us, the citadel that protects us, and the tower that frustrates our enemies. There's no guarantee that trouble won't come in life, but there is guarantee that God is our refuge. The Bible teaches that God created out of chaos. Many would say this psalm is almost turning that back and that the created order is becoming chaotic again. But even should that happen, we still trust God. You see, the Israelites in the Bible, when they faced challenge or conflict, they tended to have one of three responses. They would either try and fight their way out of the situation. I can do whatever I can. I've got to fight. They might try and buy their way out of the situation. Let's see if I can pay another army to defend us. Or they would bow their way out of the situation. They would basically make an alliance with another kingdom and say, look, we will, we will be in servitude to you. When tough times come, how do you cope? We are not to fear. It seems today that almost as if science fiction is becoming fact. I read just this week in Asterix, was it in 2017, coronavirus was the name of someone. How has that suddenly become fact? The biggest danger is that our knowledge leads to fear. And this psalm says, I want you to trust. God wants us to look at him in the midst of trouble and not just afterwards. Our true security is in God, not God plus anything else. So the first thing I want to say to you this morning is God is a refuge in time of crisis. The second thing I'd like to say that comes out of this psalm is that there is a river of peace. I live in London. I know that this whole city was developed because of the River Thames. People used to use it for drinking, for washing, for transport, for defence. And gradually this city emerged. That was true of many cities in the Bible. Damascus, Nineveh, Babylon, all cities that were based around a river. But that was not true of Jerusalem. Jerusalem did not have a physical river running through it. Many have said it was a weak capital city. But that meant that in their fragile state, they were dependent upon God. Yet here in this psalm, we have this picture 
of a river of life that flows. Again, if we look through the Bible, that is a common picture. In the Garden of Eden, we know that a river flowed from there out to the nations. We know that when the prophet spoke in Ezekiel about the temple of God, there was going to be a river that would flow out to the nations. This is the provision of God for his people. It's almost something supernatural. Jesus himself stood up at the, the feast. In John 7, we can read these verses. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me, and streams of living water will flow. I still believe that there is a stream of peace that's available today if we will come to Jesus. So I'd like to suggest this river of peace. There's one other thing I just wanted to put under this section, which really is verse four to six. There's a little phrase there called break of day. At the break of day, we know the darkness of night has gone. You could not suddenly be attacked under the cover of darkness. But I believe in scripture, break of day is a phrase that means so much more than that. I think actually it means a sense of hope. Why do I say that? Well, in Exodus 14 and verse 27, we know that Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at break of day, the sea returned. And it's almost like that was the, the time when God says, no, the Egyptians will not be able to come and catch you at break of day. We're not totally sure when Psalm 46, the, the historical account of when it happened, but some have suggested it was to do with when the Assyrians were attacking. They came into Israel and they got to surround the city. We can read about that account in 2 Kings 19, because we know that actually the next day, the, in the night the angel of the Lord went out in 2 Kings 19, the people got up early the next morning and they discover that the enemy has been defeated. Oh, wow, that was at the break of day. I guess for many of us, if we're Christians, our minds would go to what is now considered Easter Sunday. Jesus died on the cross on Good Friday. He'd been in the tomb and the disciples had been mourning. But on Easter Sunday... In Luke 24, we read this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they found the stone rolled away. At break of day, they discovered that Jesus was risen. And they said, oh, I think there's that kind of hope. Trust God for break of day. Trust God for an intervention in your life. The third thing that I just want to say this morning is I believe this psalm encourages us to have a right perspective, a right perspective. The phrase comes out, come and see what God has done. Come and see. This is something that when Moses had established the, the covenant with the Israelites in Deuteronomy 29, he says, your eyes have seen all that God did in Egypt. It's almost he was saying, remember what God has done. We know that when the Israelites were being led out of Egypt in Exodus 14, 
It says in Exodus 14, 31, the Israelites saw the great power the Lord displayed. The people feared God. It's almost come and see this great God that we serve. I guess again, I go back to the Easter Sunday story. This time in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 28, verse 6. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go and tell the disciples. The most important miracle is almost like, come and see. He's risen. He's not here. The grave clothes are there. Jesus has risen from the dead. That's the right perspective. The other phrase, I guess, which helps me get the right perspective in this passage, which I'm looking at, which is verse 8 to 10 of Psalm 46. Be still and know. I used to do some work at Sussex University. I'm actually a Sussex-born boy. The motto of the university is taken from Psalm 46. Be still and know. I guess many would say that has become a, a motto of our educational academic world. Be still and know. But actually, the psalm carries on. Be still and know that I am God. You see, God is looking for intimacy. The danger sometimes with this, be still and know, is we, we can almost think, oh, it's, it's a polite thing. I wonder if actually God would be shouting, stop, attention, listen. It's a huge challenge, isn't it, when we have busy lives. I keep thinking I'm going to have more time. I'm not quite sure I found it yet. I wonder if this, be still and know, is a rebuke for restlessness. John Piper says this, God hits home in the stillness. If you want your life to be significant, you've got to stop running and stop scurrying about. Turn off the TV and the radio and get alone and be quiet. Mm. I honestly believe God is what you need personally. Mm. God is what we need here in Ealing. God is the answer for London. I believe God is the solution for this world. I would love us this morning to take some hope from Psalm 46. I believe that God is a refuge in a time of crisis. I believe God is a river of peace to those that will come and be filled. I believe God will give us a right perspective in this time of difficulty.